Welcome to Seniority Authority, the podcast where I track down experts to answer your questions on aging. I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey. Let's get smarter about growing older. What is it about change that strikes fear in our hearts, that freezes our brain with worry? As humans, we're hardwired to crave predictability so that there's an innate rejection of change. Yet change is inevitable. Is there a way we can train our minds to be more accepting, maybe even more welcoming of change? If you, like most adults, fear change, listen to this episode. Let's meet the change doctor and see how shifting our perspective can make a positive difference in our lives. Thanks to our show sponsor, The Riverwoods Group, Northern New England's largest family of nonprofit retirement communities, where active adults find community, purpose, and peace of mind. Visit riverwoodsgroup.org. Now let's hear from today's guest. Welcome to Seniority Authority. I'm your host, Kathleen Toomey. As we all know, change is difficult, even if it's a welcome shift. Why is that? And can we retrain our minds to be more welcoming of change? My guest today, Dr. Michelle Rosen, has consulted on the topic of change for Johnson & Johnson, Merrill Lynch, and the U.S. Navy, among others. Called the Change Doctor, she's a frequent contributor to NBC, ABC, CNN, Huffington Post, and more. Dr. Rosen has a PhD from psychology from NSU and is author of the recent book, Two Second Decisions. Thank you so much for joining Seniority Authority, Dr. Rosen. Kathleen, it's my pleasure to join you, and it's my pleasure to join everyone. Well, I uh, participated in a retreat where Dr. Rosen was the speaker, and hardly had the Zoom ended when I was emailing the organizer of the retreat saying, can I get this woman on the podcast? Because this is something, no matter who you are, what age you are, what your stage in life is, this is something that everyone experiences. And I'd like to start off the conversation by asking you, Dr. Michelle, how you decided to study change. What inspired you? Well, Kathleen, you know, just like everyone else, I want to make my life better. And so the nice thing is that when you embark on an academic journey, when it parallels some things in your own life, you tend to take it back to your own life and say, how can I be better? How can I live better? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better spouse? How can I live a better life, be a better person? And so what happened to me is that even before I started my academic journey, I was struggling. So I came from a place of feeling very, very, very stuck. And I thought that I could not change my life. And I've discovered that not only that I can, but that when you want something really, really badly in your life, in your career, when you crave that change in your life, when you want it really badly, amazing things happen to you. You know, it's very nice to be comfortable. It's a wonderful feeling. I'm sure maybe at some point in my life, I'll be comfortable again. <laughs> but there are blessings that stem from 
getting out of your comfort zone and doing different things than what you're used to, to get a different result. And I love the fact that you've experienced this and you've fought against this in your life. Let's explain to our listeners why, because we all know that we're going to experience change. Why is it that our brains are hardwired to resist change? You know, there is a real physiological reason that we resist change. What is that all about? Right. So we talked about it on our talk, right? When you join me, the brain hates change, hates change. And the reason why the brain hates change is that the brain takes a lot of energy out of our overall body. It's about 20% out of the overall body energy that the brain takes. So the brain is very costly to the body in terms of energy. This is just to do what we're used to. Whatever's known, whatever's familiar is still very costly to the brain. It's still about 20%. So every time you ask your brain or someone else's brain to do something different, to what we call pivot, adapt, new technology, new regulations, new ways of doing things in the workplace or at home, adopt new habits, eat differently, save money differently. It's even more costly to the brain in terms of energy. So the brain hates that very much. And basically what happens is when we want to create a change in our lives and we say, oh, let me do all these amazing things. I want to save more money. I want to eat more healthy. I want to work out more. You know, the brain is pulling us towards what we're already used to, to conserve energy. And that makes sense because in living day to day, we need a certain predictability. We need to know that we put, we put our shoes on, our brain automatically knows how to tie them. We're not trying to figure that out every, we know where, especially most of us adults know how to get that cup of coffee in the morning. It's not a new activity for us. So, so much of what we do is routine that doesn't require that level of energy. But physiologically, when we start thinking about change and we contemplate change, what what happens to our brains then? Do they does it shut down? Does it get tired? Just the thought of change, what happens? So Kathleen, do you like hiking? Yes, I do. Good. Me too. So here's the thing. When you go hiking, do you take the beaten path or do you go just in the wilderness? Oh no, I totally beaten path. <laughs> beaten path, right? Me too. Because you go in the wilderness, it's kind of it's it's kind of a problem, right? It's it's a, that's a completely different level of experience, right? Snakes and wildlife, getting lost—that is my biggest. Right? I'm not, I'm directionally challenged. Exactly. Me too. Right yeah. there, you go. So we take the beaten path. So in the brain, if you think of the brain as a hiking area, a forest, right? In the brain, we have beaten paths, lots and lots of beaten paths. Those are neural pathways in the brain. And those beaten paths are things that we've done a million times, right? So if I'm used to being impulsive in my relationships, I have a beaten path in my brain, a neural pathway. I am impulsive in my relationships. You do this, I do that. That's the neural pathway. That's the beaten path. If I'm used to not going to the gym, I have a beaten path that says every time this idea of going to the gym is going to come up. I'm going to come up with a great excuse and not go. And that's just my thing. Repeat, repeat, repeat. So it's not that change is a big word. You know, it's very intimidating. Oh, change, you know, so dramatic. If we take it back a notch and we say, forget change, you know, how do I 
start a new habit? How do I start a new beaten path in my brain that will be easy so that it's easy for me to do this? It's a part of who I am and how I do things. How do I do that? Because mm. that makes it much easier because you're saying routine, repeat the same things. I'm saying, okay, but let's change the routine to something that we want. And so how do we do that? I love how you reframe that. I don't want to interrupt, but I love how you reframe that and say, this is, this change is something that I want to be identified as part of myself. So you're saying, I want to be known for this new change, which I think is start of, you know, internalizing what you're trying to get to. But anyway, go ahead. I, I think, you know, I don't like big words. We have to bring it back down to reality. Like, what are we saying when we say change? You know, there's the changes in the world that we can't control, right? But mm -hmm. what can we control? We can make our lives better. We can make ourselves better. We can make our habits better. You know, Kathleen, every year on New Year's, 100% of the people make New Year's resolutions. By February, only 8% persist. I'm sure that as the months go by, the number goes down and down. So there's a very small group of people that know how to ride the bikes of change, how to create new habits. And so I'm happy to share with our listeners how to do that because it's actually not that complicated. You just have to know how. Yes. <laughs> I was speaking for myself and everyone who is listening to this podcast. Yes, we want to know how to make change easy in our lives, how to add something new, stop what we're doing. Please help us with All right. your tips. <laughs> That's actually not complicated at all. I wish they taught that at school. So the problem is that when people make big New Year's resolutions, people make big resolutions, right? They're not granular. I want to save more money. So what do you actually mean? I want to eat more healthy. What do you actually mean? When you want something to actually happen, it takes about 30 to 45 days to create a neural pathway, to create a beaten path in your brain of repetition, repetition, repetition. After that, the beaten path is there. You just have to keep repeating. So when we talk about willpower and forgiving myself when I mess up, don't even go there. You don't need to forgive yourself and you don't need to. All you need to do is pick something very granular, mm -hmm. very specific, because when it's not specific, the brain is going to be there and the brain's going to say, you didn't really mean this. You actually meant that. So we're just going to retreat back to our old ways. But if you say something specific like, I am going to eat a salad for lunch every day for the next 30 to 45 days. Let's say 45 days. It varies from person to person in terms of the number of days. So let's take the 45 days. I'm going to eat a salad for lunch every day for 45 days. That's it. It's very specific. And you repeat, repeat, repeat for 45 days. I promise you that once you get to two months after that, you're already making your salad. You're already eating. You're not even thinking, what am I going to have for lunch today? It's not even, you know. It is what it is. So it's not a huge effort forever beyond the 20%. All we need to do is get really, really granular, really, really specific. And you know what, Kathleen? People say, oh, if I mess up, should I forgive myself? It's really not a big deal. If something happened and you messed up in your 45 days, you know, let's create a beaten path, period. All you need to do is just start over. 
It's nothing happened. No harm done. You just start over, repeat, 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 45 days. Before you know it, you're going to make your salad for lunch. You're going to be used to whatever it is that you're saving this much money, treating people differently, whatever it is. It becomes a part of your routine. Victory. We can move on to the next thing. I like that because it says 30 to 45 days. And then the other thing that you mentioned is the specificity. I am going to eat a salad for lunch every day, or maybe I'm going to put one teaspoon of sugar in my coffee, not two teaspoons for 45 days, but to be very specific versus I am going to get a beach body in three weeks, you know? Right. Right. The, the being specific and granular is very, very important because it has to be non-negotiable to the brain. Every time you say, and I do this on my talk sometimes with attendees where they pledge to change something and then we all go over it together. So people would say, for example, I'm going to be nicer to people at work. And I say, what do you mean by being nicer? Mm-hmm. You have to tell me, oh, I'm going to give, you know, people, uh, I'm going to give three compliments a day to different people in my team. Okay, I get that. That's something that, you know, my mind gets. You can do that for 45 days before you know it. Giving those compliments three a day becomes a part of who you are and how you do things. So it literally is a skill and it's not complicated. And I don't feel that we should get so intimidated by making changes in our lives. And what happens is that it has an accumulating effect because once you do it and it works, you say, hold on for a second, hold on. There's a lot more that I can do. Let me pick one more thing. Let me pick one more thing. And before you know it, you've completely changed, you know, who you are, how you do things, your daily habits. Habits are everything. That is so true. And I also like the fact that you're building blocks of success. So you have this one salad for lunch or one teaspoon of coffee or three compliments a day. And you're not trying to do it all at the same time, which I think is a classic New Year's Eve resolutions because everyone's taught to make a list. Yes. And we go through everything that we're unhappy about regarding ourselves, which is, you know, significant for most of us. So I think that's terrific. What's interesting to me is how hard our brain works to fight against us. And I completely get there's a million reasons why I should not get up an hour earlier in the morning to exercise. My brain is so convincing in the morning and we have to just get over that. And, and as you say, forge a new path in our neural pathways. Yeah. Your brain is very convincing because your brain just doesn't have that neural pathways pathway. It doesn't have that beaten path. If it had it, it wouldn't have to be, it wouldn't come up with all these excuses. You would, you know. And so during the, during that time, you do everything you can to make sure that you're consistent. So for example, if we take the gym example that you brought up, you take your gym clothes, you put them right by your bed so that you get out of bed, you stumble on your sneakers, you put them on, you already have your sneakers, you know, because you know that you are working against your own brain and you are Think about creating a path in the forest. It's work. It has to be walked over and over and over again. And so you're doing that by not letting your brain pull you back towards your old habits just because that neural pathway is not there anymore yet. It's not there yet. Yeah, I I love that. And I actually do 
lay my clothes on the floor. <laughs> it works. I to, I, it does. It's like, there they are glaring at you if you don't choose to do that. But I haven't, I hadn't done the 30 days in a row or 45 days in a row. There are other reasons why if we change our attitude or shift our attitude or improve our attitude towards change, it's better for us. Because we've been talking about some of the things some of the aspects of change that we want to invite into our lives. But there's also change that happens to us that is beyond our control, as you mentioned earlier. And what I understand from hearing you talk is that if we get into the habit of making new habits and creating new neural pathways, it's actually healthier for us when we are faced with a change that we don't like, can't can't talk our way out of, and we have to live with. Well, change, like you said, is inevitable. The changes that you're making with yourself are a choice. You have the choice. So let's separate the two. Okay, you have the choice to make changes in the way you do things to improve your life, live a better life, be a better person, a better spouse, a better parent, a better you know team worker, team member, community member, whatever. You can also choose to stay stuck, and that is a choice that each and every one of us can make that comes with a price tag, a high price tag, but it's an option. With changes that are happening around us that we have no control over, the brain really struggles, and it's, hard, it's, it's important to understand that because the brain gets really tired. The brain hates uncertainty, hates uncertainty. And so feeling that you're helpless and that there's a lot of change around you and you're sort of ran into it. You know, a lot of people feel this way. And so the mindset shift here is what can I control? You know, I cannot control if you're in a relationship and your spouse decided to leave you and they're adamant that they're going to leave you. I'm going to make it very, you know, close. I'm not going to talk about, you know, changes in the world. We all know, right? They happen. But what if you're in a relationship and your spouse decides to leave you and you have no control over that and you find yourself in a situation that you did not choose to be in? Well, you know, you can, with all the sympathy to a situation that is a difficult situation that you're thrown into, you can make two choices. You can either get very bitter and very upset and say and and argue with reality, or you can make your own choices of how to react to a given situation. So now we're going to take that from that very close up personal situation, take it to events in the world. You can't argue with events in the world. You can't say, why is there a storm? Why is there a tornado? It's not fair. Why is there a war? Why is there, you know, a pandemic? Why is it it's so unfair? I had other plans. And now this. <laughs> we definitely all had other plans for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, this is not fair. Well, you know, what's the point of arguing? So. It's not just acceptance from a passive place. It's, okay, I cannot control this, but I have a whole bunch of options of what am I doing in this situation? How am I reacting? How am I managing? How am I taking leadership in this situation? And so when you are aware that you have all that power to make all those choices, and I'm going to take it back to the personal situation. Somebody left you. Some, you know, you had a disappointment in that relationship, you know. How do you react to that? How do you handle that? That we have so much choice. 
when it comes to either the changes that we want to initiate or the changes that are happening upon us. And that is our power. That is know how awesome. To use that power. Yes. If we know how to use that power, then we are living an amazing life because everybody goes through crisis and change and, you know, all kinds of, you know, unexpected situations in life. The million dollar question is, what do you do about it? Well, that is a real game changer. When, yes. in, when you say the word leadership, mm-hmm. I think so many people feel change is thrust upon them. They yes. are older. They are, have, are facing different challenges and people can get into the mindset of this happened to me. Oh, what was me? Looking back saying, I used to be able to do this and now I can't do that. And just that mind shift of saying, how am I going to lead myself in this situation? How am I going to choose to react in this situation? That shift, and you're right, you can wallow or you can say, what am I going to do about it? What is going to, what is going to help me manifest a, a, a better outcome in this situation where I have been left by somebody that I loved or I have lost something very important to me that I can't regain? You have your own reaction. And I, I just love that word, leadership. What, what can I do to lead myself? And we all know people that have had very unfortunate things happen in their lives, horrible yeah. things. And you move forward with strength or you look back with sadness. And, and I think the more you recognize and seize control over your reaction, the better it is for you mentally and physically. 100%. And, and you said manifest before. So it's not just manifest a different outcome. It's leading to a different outcome. Leading to a different, not the outcome. I mean, some things you can't change. Something happened, you know. But how can I lead also by example? Because there are many eyes on each and every one of us. You know, the kids are looking at us. The younger generation is looking at us. Other people around us that did not have these circumstances happen to have may happen to them in the future. Maybe something else will happen. They're also looking at us. So we have, as leaders, we have a teaching opportunity in anything and everything that happens to us. And you never know who's watching and who's learning. So that's something to keep in mind. This is not about just you and the choices that you're making for yourself, which are important enough. It's also about what am I teaching other people around you? What kind of an example? What kind of a leader am I? And we're all leaders within our communities, within our families. You know, we are all leaders. What am I teaching here? And so that's something that I think can help very much in looking beyond the current circumstances and saying, okay, I don't know why this happens to me. It may be unfair. It's not relevant. What am I teaching here? Where am I taking this? And every parent of a toddler or a young child certainly knows whatever you do, they are watching, they are listening to every yes. word that you 
think you were beyond a closed door, but, and, and that doesn't stop. You know, people are watching and understanding how this change is, how you're reacting and what you are like in this difficult time. And I think we all know that it is not the measure of a person is not how they act when things are going well, but how they act when they are at the bottom and have lots and lots of unfortunate situations they have to to work through. That's the measure of someone. I agree with you 100%. And I think that not just with adult kids, mature kids, still look at, you know, their parents' generation because they've never been in that age group before. And so wherever you go, wherever you are, you are always a teacher and a leader. What are you teaching? Where are you leading? If you're getting smarter, help us reach more minds. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends to follow us on social or subscribe to our newsletter at senioritiauthority.org. And so many people think of aging and connecting aging and change to negativity. Why do you think that is? You know, from a sociological standpoint or a or a psychological standpoint, why do people at a certain age stop thinking this change is going to be good for me? How do we get how did we get so negative about the idea of change? when it comes to aging? Well, it's all mindset, right? So we're a society that idolizes youth and not rightfully subtle because we are very quick to dismiss experience and, and people's journey. And I think that there is a place, there should be a place of a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for that. And so aging is a privilege. That's how I look at it. I've lost a dear friend, a dear, dear friend that passed away when we were much younger, around the age of 21. And since that happened, I always think to myself, aging is a tremendous privilege. And the older you get, I think to myself, what a privilege. And when I see people aging with grace, you know, people, and and, and I want to explain what I call with grace. With grace meaning to me, The essence of life is purpose. When you get up in the morning and you have purpose, things that make you happy, things that drive you, then you're living a full life. And sometimes what happens with the aging process is that people lose their core purpose because if the purpose was raising the kids or the purpose was, you know, the job and then, you know, there's retirement, there's a tremendous crisis around the purpose. And so I encourage anybody in that age group and all of our listeners to literally seek professional help. If you find that you've lost your purpose, it's really not healthy for you, not mentally, not physically. And it's not your fault. You've done nothing wrong. It's a, it's a part of the aging process. It's a part of life. Go and find a coach, a therapist, any professional that will help you rediscover your purpose. Because when you rediscover your purpose and you're living a full full life, what are you doing? You're teaching, you're leading, you're showing the younger generation, how do we do this? How do we age 
with purpose and passion all the way. That is, you know, that is such great advice. This is one of the topics that we talk a lot about on Seniority Authority because people often who are listening are 50 plus generally. And so many people, as you say, they have been a homemaker or a mom all their lives. And now their adult children are launched or they've grown a business and now that's done and we're, they're retired. And, and generationally, we are living longer than ever before. So great, our grandparents never had this problem because they didn't live this long. But now we have this rich opportunity of maybe 20 years after we retire, you know, the average life expectancy now is 85. So it's an opportunity to do more, but that requires a little creativity, a little looking inward, a little reflection, using that wisdom and saying, what is my special purpose? What is my reason to get up in the morning? And a reflection or a conversation or meeting with a therapist or a, or a life coach is a great investment considering you have all this time and wisdom and you could do something really exciting with it. 100%. 100%. And there are a lot of resources. There are a lot of great books on finding your purpose. There are, there's a lot of information on the internet. All you need to do is take leadership. And see, you know, I always say that life is like a ship, you know, the life starts and the ship starts going in the ocean. You know, you can put something in the GPS and decide where you're heading. But if you don't, it's still going to wander around. And so if it wanders around any age, you will end up somewhere doing something, you know, living somehow. It's, it's going. But it's amazing if you can pull back. If you're 50, if you're 60, if you're 70, if you're 80, it doesn't matter. Every day on this earth has to be filled with purpose and passion. And if you've lost your purpose and passion because there was a lot of change in your life, things are different than they were, you change that, but use every opportunity, every professional that you can, every book, every article, every blog, every clip, whatever you can find, there are, you know, these days, it's so easy to find resources to say, hey, I deserve to live with passion and purpose. If I didn't find it, that's okay. That's part of my journey. Let me see how I can lead my life so that I can put something in the GPS of the ship of my life. And whatever time I have on this earth, I'm living it fully. I don't care. And if you seek it, you'll find it. So yes. that, that's okay to look. The, the journey of looking for that purpose for that passion is part of the journey and it's completely legitimate and and healthy. Oh, I think that's probably one of the most exciting parts is the journey is saying, where do I want to point that ship? I'm not just going to wander around wherever the seas toss me. I want to figure out, I want to go to the Azores or I want to go to Mexico or I want to go to Asia and point it in that direction. So deciding Here's what I want to do with my gifts and here's how I'm going to shape them is, is awesome. And the, and it's okay not to know. That's another thing I think I get kind of stuck as adults. You know, we have gone through schooling, we have college degrees or master's degrees, or we're professional electricians, or we know how to do certain things. And we 
are uncomfortable with the not knowing. And you could look at it as an exciting exploration. Of course, you don't know. You've never been this age before, but many of us are uncomfortable with not knowing the answer. As, as with many other situations, but the most important thing is if you keep that um, ship in the ocean, you know, vision is to remember that you're the captain and you'll, you never stopped being the captain. You're always the captain. So what are you doing as the captain of the ship? You can throw your hands in the air and say, I don't know. I've never, you know, I've never been to this sea. This is a new sea. Never been here. I, I, you know, traveled other seas and I was a great captain by this sea. I've never been in. But if you're a really good captain and we all have the potential to be amazing captains, you're going to say, all right, this is a new sea. I've never been here before. Let me see what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at the compass. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to figure out what to do. And it's okay to be in a new sea, but you got to remember that you're the captain. Yeah. And that's a way of engaging your brain in, in a very creative way. A hundred percent. Because once, I mean, exploration doesn't last forever. At the end of the day, you're going to explore different things and you're going to hone down on what you really want. When you decide what you really want, you need a plan and the plan needs to be granular, specific, have a deadline, right? You want to go back to school. You want to, you know, whatever your goals are, you've got to have a deadline. And as I always say, never going to be the right time at any age. So just decide. And once you decide, take the first step, go for it. And do it for 30 days or 45. <laughs> 30 to 45 days, you pick one thing and you go for it no matter what. That is such excellent advice. And I want to ask you about your book, which is yes. so incredible. The two-second decision. Tell us yes. about that. So two-second decisions, it's a wonderful book. And I'm not just saying it because I wrote it. I, I have to share with you, first of all, Kathleen, how I wrote it. Because that's just a perfect example of what we plan and what actually happens in reality, right? So I was thinking about my next book about two and a half years ago. And I was saying, oh, you know, when I write my next book, I'm going to rent a place. And I don't want anybody to interrupt me. And I'm going to immerse <laughs> myself. <laughs> you're laughing because you, you, I guess <laughs> what happened. So pandemic happened. I had the choice, right? We're talking about choice. I could say, I'm not writing this book. There is just no way. There is no way. Or, you know, I ended up writing this book in a house full of kids and dishes and, and dogs and, you know, it, crazy hours of the night. But I said, I really, really want this. So I set up a deadline for myself. I ended up passing the deadline by a month, but I got it done. It's okay as long as you get it done and you push yourself. And this book is about making quick decisions and making decisions easier and what happens to us is that when we want to decide, so let's take our example, for example, that we talked about of how, what to do after retirement or, you know, what to do when you're done raising the kids and the kids are out of the house and you're an empty nester. So how to handle that. And when you think about those things, a lot of times people get very overwhelmed. They say, oh, oh yeah, I don't know what to do. You know, what would, what would my friend do? What do other people expect me to do? What is the right thing to do? And so they get really overwhelmed. And two-second decisions is something that I discovered when I was at a really overwhelming point in my life. I was in my PhD. I was a full-time working mom of three very young kids and a PhD student. And the story is that I got, I was really struggling to pay for this. It was through a collapsing, the collapsing 2008 economy. 
And on top of it, I also got a letter from the university that I'm on academic probation because I wasn't allowed more than two C's and I just earned my third C. And the reason why I earned my third C is that I was studying between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning because oh. I was a working mom too, right? With three young kids. With young kids. One, one of the, the third one was a baby. So the story is that I got really overwhelmed and I didn't know if I should, what kind of choice am I supposed to make here? Should I stay in the department or, or, or take a break? And I went to bed crying and overwhelmed. And when I got up in the morning, I remembered a tool that we learned in one of the psychology classes. And the tool was a tool for measuring depression because when people are depressed, they also get very overwhelmed and they see black and they don't even know if they feel better yesterday compared to today. So the tool basically measures depression from zero to 10. So if the depressed person says yesterday was a three and today is a four, it's progress. If, you, if it was three, now it's a four. Let's see how we can get you to a five and a six. And, and so we track that. And I said, what if I take this tool from the world of depression and I borrow it to the world of decision making and it's going to help me get out of my own head and figure out what to do. So then I asked myself on a scale of zero to 10, how much, Michelle, do you really want this? How much do you want to graduate? And my answer did not come from my head because the head is very cluttered. It came from my gut and it was 10, like within two seconds. I knew, you know the answer. But in the head, you're thinking, oh, other people, what do other people expect of me? What do other people on social media do? In the gut, you know. And so I asked myself a second question because I was so shocked that it was so easy. And I said, okay, how right is this for my future and my family that I graduate? And I said 10 within two seconds, again, from the gut. So two second decisions is basically, it has a lot more, a lot, a lot more in it in terms of how to change your life, how to live your best life. But it's basically about, it's a book about how to listen to yourself fully rather than being overwhelmed with other people's expectation, et cetera, and how to practice that in your life in every possible way. And it's available on Amazon. It's called Two Second Decisions, The Secret Formula for Leading Change by Making Quick Winning Choices. That is wonderful. We're going to have a link to the book in our show notes. And I love your analogy and how this grew out of your true struggle. And you're exactly right. Our world is inundated with everyone's opinions. And for kids, especially social media, there's everybody weighs in on everything. So to be able to find a tool where you can say how important and, and to frame those important questions. How important is it to me to graduate? How important is it for my family for me to graduate and, and to be very thoughtful? I love that. And it's really, really powerful. I also think it could help people who are being buffeted by changes or developments in their life that they're not feeling good about. And then to really dig down and say, how do I want to make a decision to react to this. So I think it sounds like a wonderful tool to get and to use and just to have kind of that bellwether to find your space where you can hear yourself clearly. Mm -hmm. It's really important because, you know, when you have a company, if you run a company, company would have meetings to talk about goals and to talk about strategy, but we don't really have a sit down with ourselves. No, we don't. Right? 
So, you know, think of yourself in the same way. You need to have time and tools for a sit down with yourself about your future, about your life, check in with yourself, how you're doing, just when, when at your job, you know, that, you, that you've done or whatever it is or wherever you encountered it, you need to find the time for a sit down with yourself. And so beyond, you know, scaling with yourself questions that you're asking, you have to find the time to just be with yourself in a way that allows you to think. So I, for example, love walks by myself. And I walk, I try when I, I don't, I travel a lot, but when I don't travel, I walk for an hour and 15 minutes. I have a whole route every day. And that's my time to think. You need time to think. Some people do that when they swim, by the way, swimming, you know, the breathing, the water, and they check in with themselves. How am I doing? How am I feeling? How am I eating? How do I, you know, what is going on in my life? It's not necessarily, I mean, you could go and sit with a therapist, you know, in a lot of cases, but you also need to make the time for a team meeting with yourself to check in with yourself. I love that idea. I absolutely love that. So a team meeting with yourself. How am I doing? What is, is my life turning out the way I want? How am I feeling? How am I showing up in the world? To be, to take that moment to be intentional, which will drive all your other future interactions and can provide some fertile ground if you do decide, I would like to change one thing. So it all starts with reflection. Yeah. So let's say I took a walk or a swim or meditated. Some people love meditating, Some whatever, whatever works for you. And I've done that. And I came to the conclusion that I have a problem in my relationship with one of my kids. And there's something that I want to change on my end. Once you have the time to reflect, you then you take it back and you pick one granular thing that you're going to do differently. And then you do it 30 or 45 days. So like you said, Kathleen, it starts from reflection. We need to make the time and the room for that. And then don't get overwhelmed. Pick one thing, get really granular and repeat it as much as possible. I'm going to ask our listeners to really take that to heart and to check in with us and send an email to info at senioritiauthority.org. Tell me or tell us, have you had a chance to sit down with yourself? Have you decided to change one granular thing as Dr. Michelle is referring to? And if you're comfortable, what is that one granular thing that you wanted to change? It would be a great way for us to start a conversation, have a little support group around, you know, shifting our brains and becoming the leaders of our own ship. I love these analogies Dr. Michelle has that you're leading your ship, you're forging a new path through the forest. So they're so visceral and they're so clear. And I think that's part of your gift, Michelle, is your ability to take what you know and this deep neurological information and to make it so accessible for the rest of us. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? Any suggestions for our listeners? The most important thing is to know that, and I try, yes, Kathleen, I try to convey that in the way I do things. Things are not as complicated as you think. 
And my favorite all-time sentence is, things are never as bad as you think and never as good as you think, right? So don't be so quick to get overwhelmed. All you need to do is just find the space, find the time, and know that you have a system. We've shared it with you. You know what to do. And when you do it, you'll find that over time, there's an accumulating effect of positive, wonderful changes that will happen to you in your life. And once it happens to you, you're going to want more. You're going to do more. You're going to feel completely differently. So even if you're feeling not so good right now, even if you're feeling down, even if things didn't work out for you, there is a plan. There is a system. Go for it. It will work for you. I am so excited and energized to start my granular change. I'm, <laughs> I am running tomorrow morning for you. sure. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we have had such a great time talking and I just started a new thing in the podcast where I'm going to ask you five questions. It's a lightning round and we want to get to know you, Dr. Michelle, a little bit better. So yes. tell us your guilty pleasure. Chocolate. All right. What is, and I think I know this, what's your favorite healthy practice? Walking. I love yeah. walking in fresh air, great views. Yes. And what's guaranteed to make you laugh? My kids. My kids are very funny. <laughs> what's the last book that you loved? Besides Two Second Decisions. <laughs> Besides Two Second Decisions. I am not sure. I'd have to think. I haven't okay. read. I haven't read so much recently, to be completely honest, because really? I work a lot. Really? Three kids, I, and you just finished a book, and you do speaking engagements. And I and, didn't find the time. <laughs> and now I'll put, it, I'll put it on my list of changes. Okay. And last question, what is your favorite escape? New places. So I like new places, new things. So traveling would be my, traveling with my husband, Adam, would be my best escape. I'm, I am totally with you. I mean, I don't know Adam but I do love traveling. <laughs> so thank you again so much. That's our show for today. I hope that all of our regular listeners think about this granular chain, work this tool and these tools that Dr. Michelle gave you and let us know how you're doing because this is an exciting opportunity that you just have. If you enjoyed our show, please let us know. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts so that we can find more people. And until next time, enjoy the chance to get smarter about growing older.